Thank y'all so much. You can text number one to one two one two if you'd like to vote for Shane this morning. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I couldn't help. I thought I tried to talk myself out of it. And I just couldn't help it. If you have your Bibles, don't really text that. You don't have service in here anyways, but that's not enough. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1 this morning. As we look at the text that uh, I read and referenced earlier, what a wonderful opportunity to be able to come and to sing these songs. We call them Christmas songs, but really they're just hymns of praise. To be able to come and, and hear special music like those that remind us of the peace and the joy of heaven's child coming to be with us. What a great day it is. While you're turning to Luke chapter 1, I did want to mention, as uh, many of you noticed, your children when they're coming back uh, from the children's message this morning, they got a little bulletin. It's a children's bulletin. If you would in there uh, for the main points today, those are written in there. That's It's really for the kids to keep up with, but if any of you adults need to use those to keep up with as well, it's just to fill in the blank, and I'll give you the blank. I didn't put a word bank on there, though, so I'll help with spelling if we need to. Luke chapter 1, this is what we're seeing today. We are looking at what's called Zechariah's prophecy. If you haven't been with us for the past several weeks as we've been going through Luke chapter 1, you may not be familiar with Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist being a relative of Jesus. Uh, Elizabeth is pregnant with John at the same time that Mary is pregnant with Jesus. And these stories have been fairly intertwined all the way through. And now we're seeing just after the birth of John the Baptist, just after Zechariah's son is born, he receives, Zechariah himself receives the Holy Spirit and begins to prophesy. And that's what we're going to see here in this text today. Look with me in verse 67 for our introduction. Speaking of John after his birth, it says, And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, and before we get to what he said, I just want to make note of a couple of things there. Again, this is Zechariah the priest. This is John the son has already been filled with the Holy Spirit even while he is in his mother's womb. Elizabeth, who is Zechariah's wife, has been filled with the Holy Spirit. And now Zechariah himself is filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, whenever he's filled with the Holy Spirit, we see here that he begins to prophesy. And if you're not familiar with that word prophesy, what, what is it talking about here? What's this pure definition? This means that when he received the Holy Spirit, God divinely revealed something to him, something that was not common knowledge, something that not everyone understood. God gave Zechariah a message that he could share with other people, something that he was foretelling, something that was going to happen. And so as we look this morning, we can look to see this. What is it that God revealed to Zechariah for him to reveal to us? And so we'll look in the text, look in verse 68, and we see, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Now for this morning, we're really just going to be in these two verses. We're really just going to get through verses 68 and 69. I'll mention a little bit of what comes after that, but we're not going to get all the way through this text this morning. But right here we see 
that as he receives this prophecy, that as Zechariah is prophesying that he is blessing the Lord, or he is praising the Lord, that he's worshiping the Lord, that he would be calling us to do the same thing, that we should be praising God, that we should be worshiping, that we should be blessing God. And he gives us here, in very good Baptist fashion, in a way that makes many of you feel good, three specific things that we should bless God about this morning. We're going to work through those three things and we'll be done this morning. So what is the first one? Point one this morning, we should praise God because he has visited us. We should praise God because he has visited us. We see it in verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people. Now as I read this, I read this over and over and over throughout this week. And every time as I thought about it, it seemed so special to me. How many of you have somebody that's coming to visit? Either they did this past week or they are now or they are this coming week. How many of y'all have people coming to visit? Many of you, right? Christmas, special time of year, right? We love visitors. Some of us are really excited about visitors. Some of you aren't really excited about having visitors. But we have company coming over. We have friends coming in. We have family that are going to be here. Some of you hoping that we get out on time because you have people coming in today. And I will put just a very quick plug. I pray that if you have company that will be with you tomorrow, that you would invite them to come with you to our noon Christmas Eve service tomorrow. It will be a brief service. We won't take much of your time. But I pray that your mindset wouldn't be, well, I have company so we're not going to be, able to be able to make it to the Christmas Eve service. But I pray that your mindset instead would be, what better to do with company than invite them to go worship God on Christmas Eve. And so come join us tomorrow at noon for a brief time. But as we think about visitors, a lot of times we get excited. Many of you know my brother and his family were in town just this past weekend. And they came all the way from Texas. And they drove over here and spent a few days with us. And we appreciated it so much. It meant so much that they would drive... Uh, for over 10 hours just so that they could come and spend time with us. It shows how much we mean to them. It shows that that's something that's special to them, something that they wanted to do. And so they came over here and we're thankful for that. And some of you are thankful that your kids are coming or your, your parents or grandparents are coming to spend time with you over the next few days. But as I read this text, I was reminded that not only did my brother come and visit, not only did my parents come and visit, not only are we going to visit other people, but God himself came here and visited us. God left heaven and came to earth in order to visit his people, to spend time with his people. He didn't send uh, just a Christmas card. He didn't just send some instructions. He didn't just say, hey, figure it out on your own. No, he left there, and he came here, and he spent time on this earth in order to be with us, in order to show us a better way, in order, as the text says, and we'll look at in point two, to redeem us. But if you would believe it this morning... There are even more implications than just our redemption to the fact that Christ left heaven and came to earth. The fact that he was willing to leave all of the glory of heaven and came here goes even further than that. I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 4 this morning. Just two verses, verses 15 and 16, give us some more of the implications of the fact that God left heaven and came to visit us. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, the fact that God has visited us means that whenever we need help, whenever we're facing a temptation, whenever there's that same sin that you fall to time and time and time again, and it comes up and you're being tempted again and you need some help, and you stop and you pray and you ask God for help, you're not praying to a God that doesn't understand what you're talking about. You know, if I called my brother uh, a few weeks ago before he had ever been here to visit and was trying to explain to him something about the gym and the softball field behind my house, he wouldn't really understand that because he hadn't seen it. He hadn't been there. He didn't know what, what I was talking about. He could try to visualize it, but he just didn't have a personal experience with seeing those things. But now if I call him and say, Will, you know, that gym in the parking lot, and he could picture it because he's been here and he's seen it and he knows what it's like. And this scripture in Hebrews 4 tells us that whenever we pray to our high priest, when we pray to Jesus Christ in times of temptation, whenever we're trying to avoid sin, we're praying to a God who has been on this earth and who has been tempted and who has overcome that temptation, who was tempted in all the ways that we're tempted, yet never sinned. Whenever we pray and we ask God for grace or mercy, for help, because we're hurting or we're aching or somebody has lied to us or we have lost a loved one, we're praying to a God who's been here, who's lost loved ones, who has seen friends pass away while he was on this earth, who has lived through these things that we're living through. And when we pray to him, we can pray with confidence that he knows exactly what we're going through. One, yes, because he's God and he knows everything, but also because he has visited us. He has been here. We are praying to a God who has walked a mile in our shoes, a God that knows what life on this earth is like. So when, when this says that God has visited us, I just can't help but be appreciative that he left heaven and came here and he knows what this sort of life is like. But it does say, as it puts these two ideas together in verse 68, it says, for he has visited and redeemed his people and that is the main purpose of his visitation it's put together there in Zechariah's prophecy the main part of the the reason that he came to visit is so that he could redeem us and that gives us point two this morning we should praise God because he redeemed us we should praise God because he redeemed us now I know that there have to be at least two or three people here this morning that want to be excited. Is there anybody here that would like to be excited? Because if, only if, you want to be excited, this is a good place to be excited. I'm going to read point two again, and if you want to be excited, you can say amen, you can say praise the Lord, whatever you'd like, but this, it's just, I just want to point out, this is a really good place to be excited. We should praise God because he redeemed us. Amen? That is exciting, brothers and sisters. That's good news. The visitation, right? The fact that he left heaven, the fact that he's the baby in the manger, the fact that we sing all these songs aren't just because we like Christmas. And it's not because we think it's going to snow Tuesday. It's because God left heaven and came here to save us from our sins. And that's what this means when it says he redeemed us. I know that's a church word. 
if there's a church word, this is as church word as, as sanctification is, redemption, redeemed. We don't use that a lot unless you're talking about uh, redeeming a can to get five cents back in Maine or wherever you can get that for a can. But the word redeemed, I'll give you another word that I think we're more familiar with that really carries very much the same implication, and it's the word ransom. I know it usually has a negative connotation, and that's for a reason. We know what a ransom is. And the word redeemed, at its very core, is very close to the word ransom. The word redeemed, it, it has this idea that God gained our freedom by offering a price to purchase our freedom from somebody else. And if we talk this morning about ransom, we could say this, that God has obtained our release, that we were prisoners, that we were being held by someone, and that God has granted our release by paying the demand that was on our head. God has ransomed us. And I want us to really understand that this morning. Why did we need to be ransomed? Who was it that was holding us ransom? What were we being held for? And the truth is this, that you and I and every other person that has ever lived owed a debt, owed a payment, owed a sum that we could not pay. Because we have sinned and we're guilty of our sin. And when you sin and when you are guilty, there is punishment that has to be paid that we can't fulfill. There is an eternal punishment that is owed because of sin. And if you can't pay that, if you can't take care of that debt, then what happens is you are held ransom by your guilt for all eternity. While we're on this earth, the fact that we've sinned means that we are now bound to sin. We're going to continue to sin for the rest of our lives while we're sinners. Left on our own, that's what our life looks like. We sin over and over and over, and we sin and we hate it, and it wrecks us, and we decide we're not going to do that again, and then we do it again because we just can't help it. We're held ransom. We can't get away from that sin and the influence and the power of that sin. And even more than that, the punishment for our sin means that we're going to be separated from God forever. We don't have him here now when we're lost sinners. We can't talk to him. We can't spend time with him. We don't know his power. We don't know his strength. We don't know his grace. We don't know his mercy. And when we die, we'll still be separated from him forever. And that means we're going to hell. That's what the ransom looks like. That's what we're being held. Because of our sin, we're being held separate from God. And we're being held by the power of sin. And we can't get away from it. But God wasn't okay with that. That's what it looks like. That's what our story looks like if there is no Christmas. If there's no Christmas, that's your story. You sin, you're guilty for your sin, and you'll continue to sin until you die, and you'll go to hell and be separated from God forever, you and me and everybody else. That's the story if there's no Christmas. That's the story if there's no Easter. That's the story if there's no Christ, if there's no grace, if there's no forgiveness if there's no ransom but the truth is and the reason that we get excited about Christmas and the reason that we're excited to be here this morning is because there is another part to the story there is a hero to the story there is one that comes in and saves the day there is one that comes in and pays the ransom and his name is Jesus Christ and he came and he paid my ransom and he paid your ransom and he redeemed us or purchased us back and sets us free from all of our sins. 
and from the power of sin and the influence of sin. You see, he came, he visited us. He came, Emmanuel, God with us, and he lived on this earth and did everything right that we've done wrong. Every time that he was tempted, and he was tempted, every time that he was tempted, he overcame the temptation. Every time that there was a temptation sin, he didn't give in to that sin. And so he lives the perfect life. And so he's not held by sin. He's not held by the power of sin. He's not bound to sin. He's not separated from God. He owes nothing to nobody at the end of his life. But he ends up paying a great price anyways. Not because he owed it, but because we owed it. And he wasn't okay with you and with me having to live out our lives separate from him. He wasn't okay with us having to be bound to sin and sin over and over with no way to get away from it. He wasn't okay with that. He wasn't okay with watching us go to hell and be separated from him forever, not being reconciled to God. He wasn't okay with that, so what did he do? He left heaven and came to earth, and he paid our ransom. And that's what we've come to celebrate today. That's how we're free today. If you've ever wondered why Christmas is such a big deal, this is why Christmas is such a big deal. This is why. Because he paid our price, and now we don't have to sin. And I, don't, I know I, I say the word we a lot, and sometimes it gets redundant, but I want to say you this morning. You don't have to sin anymore. Brothers and sisters, some of you are here this morning and you, 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 did, you committed some sin this morning before you got here and you feel guilty for it right now. You've done some things this past week that you're ashamed of and you're afraid right now that you're going to do them again in this coming week because you've seen this cycle over and over and over and the truth is because Christ came and paid your ransom, you don't have to do that anymore. Whatever that sin is, you're free from it in Christ. When you come to Him in faith, when you accept Him as Lord and Savior, when you give yourself to Him, He breaks the power of sin. He takes that influence and He removes it. He makes it so that you'll still be tempted, but now you can overcome the temptation just like He overcame the temptation. We've been set free, redeemed, ransomed, purchased, whatever you want to say, and you don't have to sin anymore. And I want you to hear this for you this morning, that he came and visited you. He came here and lived on this earth so that he would know what your life was like. So that he could identify with you. He came here so that he could redeem you. And so I would also say, as this says in verse 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. As Zechariah says, I bless the Lord. I would say this morning that you should also bless the Lord. That I should also bless the Lord. These things aren't just for Zechariah, they're for us. And we should praise him for all these things. I'm not going to read back through the rest of this text, but in verses 70 to 75, we see that Zechariah kind of moves from this idea of talking about the Savior coming and visiting us and redeeming us, and he begins to talk more about the fulfillment of the promises to the nation. He talks about uh, him, God lifting up a horn of salvation in the house of David and fulfilling uh, the prophecies to the father Abraham and to the, the nation. And so one of the other things that Zechariah is prophesying about here that Jesus will be is that Jesus will be the answer to all the prophecies, that Jesus will be the answer to all the promises to the nation of Israel. Point three, the last point this morning, 
we should praise God because he always keeps his promises. We should praise God because he always keeps his promises. He told Abraham that he would make a mighty nation and that he would uh, make offspring as numerous as the stars that would come from him. And, and he told David and he, he told through all of the prophets time and time again about this Christ that was coming, about this one that was going to be born of a virgin, about this one that was going to put the government of his, on his shoulders and be the prince of peace. And all of those are answered in Jesus Christ. And Zechariah blesses God for that as well. And I believe that there are probably some of you here this morning that, that have had prayers answered, that have had promises from God fulfilled, that you probably just haven't stopped and thanked Him for. And we're reminded this morning, in the Christmas story, as well as in a hundred thousand other ways, that God always keeps His promises. And that's something else for us to be excited about this morning. But as we wrap this up, as we wrap up the idea of Christmas, I just pray that the things that really sink in from this text, the things that we leave here and carry with us, are the fact that, that when we were prisoners, when we were being held captive, because of our own doing, right? It's not that sin came and snatched us in that sort of ransom story. No, we were being held prisoners because we committed the sins. We are the ones that owed the debt, rightfully so. If we would have been bound to sin our whole lives and then went to hell, God wouldn't have been any less of a good God. That's what we deserved. We sinned. We did the wrong. So even though that would have been perfectly just and perfectly right, God loves us so much that he was not okay with that. And he said, that's not how I want this story to end. So what am I going to do? There's only one person that could pay the price. And so God said, I'll interject myself. I'll be the hero. Y'all seen movies where at the end of the movie, there's the bad guy, and, he, and he's got the hostage, and there's the hero there. And the hero says, just let him go. Just take me instead. Y'all seen that before? And it's always such a moving thing to see that this person would interject themselves. I might be killed. I may not make it out. But I love that person so much. Let them go and take me instead. And in a very real way, that's what the Christmas story is. Jesus says the punishment for sin is not going to fall on the head of Zach Kilpatrick. I'm going to go and I'm going to take the punishment instead. Jesus said God don't give Zach the punishment that he deserves Take me instead. And on that cross, every single sin that I have ever committed, Christ paid punishment for every one of them. For every sin that you've committed, Christ paid the punishment for those sins. He said, take me instead. And he stepped in our place and he paid our price so that when we come to him in faith, we'd have something to celebrate. And that thing to celebrate would be freedom. Freedom. Free from sin. Free from guilt. Free from punishment. Reconciled to God. Isn't Christmas exciting? Y'all don't look like Christmas is exciting. Christmas is exciting. Brothers and sisters, if you're here this morning and you don't understand this story, there's so much more to it. I can't fit it all into 20 or however many minutes it's been. I can't fit it all into this. But I would love to sit and talk to you about it for hours and hours. There's so much more to this story. I'd love to tell you 
show you in the scriptures how much he loves you, what lengths he's gone to for you, what he's offering to you, even though you don't deserve it. If you have more questions about this story, please come. If you've been a Christian for 50 years and you just have questions, come and see me. I would love to discuss them more. I would love to help you understand what you have in Christ more. If you've never heard this story, you're here a visitor today and you've never heard this and this is, this is intriguing to you, let me know. I would love to talk to you about this. But I also want to make very clear that even though I've used language about stories and ransom and movies, this is not a story. This is not made up. This is true. And there is a real God that really loves you and that really put himself in your place so that today you could be offered freedom. If you want to see how to accept that freedom... In just a moment, you can come and talk to me, and I'd love to explain it to you. If you're here this morning, and you've been so excited about having visitors this week, and you've been telling everybody that your kids are coming and how excited you are, I pray that this morning you're also excited that God came to visit you, and you're ready to tell everybody about the fact that God came to visit you as well. I pray this morning that if you realize, again, a new that you were a prisoner that's been ransomed and set free that you would celebrate not just today, tomorrow, and Tuesday, but every day who Christ is and what he's done. But this morning, I want to invite you to stand. Brother Shane's going to come and he's going to lead us in a hymn of invitation and you have the opportunity to respond to God for his goodness and faithfulness. You can pray where you are at these altars. You can come, I'll pray with you. You can sing. You can respond however you would like, but I just ask that you would respond to the Lord however he leads you to as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of invitation. Mm -hmm.